0: Welcome to Game Time in the Triangle. I'm your host, Tricia Williamson. On this episode, I welcome Evan Rogers, a former High School Hoops Scholar-Athlete of the Week who's now a student at UNC and a writer for Inside Carolina. I'll also recap last week's High School Hoops matchup between Garner and Clayton. But first, Ben Fox, a junior on the East Wake basketball team, set a new school record last week by reaching 50 points in one game. Taking the team to a 92-64 win over Southern Wayne, he's the 67th player in NCHSAA history to reach the milestone. I caught up with Ben to get his reaction to entering the record books. You hit a pretty big milestone on Friday. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, it
1: was a pretty big milestone. I mean, 50 points is hard to get, so I'm just grateful I was able to get get to it.
0: What do you think led to such a good game?
1: I think just playing how. I know I can play and just keep playing, play the best I can possibly play.
0: What did your uh, coaches say when you hit that milestone?
1: They were just telling me congrats. They knew I could do it. And my coach, he really in me, so that helps a lot.
0: Were your teammates pretty excited about it, too? Yeah.
1: They were excited for me. Our, our team supports each other.
0: You know, you are obviously having a really good night that night. So who's keeping stats? Who knows that you're close to it? Did they tell you you were close?
1: No, nobody told me I was close. I think the bench, they kind of knew I was close, so I could tell I was getting close. But
0: Like every time you hit, they were excited about it?
1: Especially when I got to the 50 points. That's when they got the most excited.
0: Is that like by far the highest that you've ever gotten, or have you ever gotten close to it?
1: Yeah, I think back in upward basketball, like when you play for the church, I think I got maybe 40-something but this was the highest in a single game.
0: Is this something that you're going to continue to do? Are you looking to go to college and play basketball?
1: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am.
0: What are you looking at?
1: I just just want to go somewhere and play. You know, I like to play. Yeah. Whoever, will Whoever will have you. Whoever will have me, yeah.
0: That's fantastic. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Ben, and congratulations. Thank right. you. I hope you have a great night. You too. Last week, Garner traveled to Clayton for a much anticipated matchup between two top-rated teams. Both of the teams were high energy in the first quarter. Clayton looked to be pulling away with strong plays from Mitchell, Grimes, and Williams. But a string of three-pointers by Garner kept the score competitive.
2: Playing ahead to race, steps back into the corner and hammers down a three. Finds take Whitney, the kick out. Dallas, yes, right off the bench. Lucas Dallas, the floor for the Trojans. The
0: The first quarter ended with Garner at 14 and Clayton at 17, a score that didn't last long when Garner came out strong in the second quarter. They took the lead two minutes in, growing their lead to four to end the quarter 32-28. After halftime, the team stayed close in score, and Clayton pulled ahead in the final minutes of the third quarter, finishing ahead with 52 points to Garner's 47.
2: Mitchell fakes on the baseline against Blobs, runs across the lane. Boy, well, he knew exactly it on the home floor. No look, Mitchell, reversal, yes!
0: Garner turned up the heat in the fourth quarter, shutting Clayton out in the first seven minutes. Anthony Walters Jr. ended the drought with a long three-pointer. The pace picked back up in the final minute of the game, but Clayton could not make up ground, and Garner came away the winner. The final score, Garner 68, Clayton 60. The player of the game was Cameron Reyes, who led the team with 19 points.
2: This is Cameron Reyes, splits two defenders, and that'll count, and he's fouled. The lead grows to five. Cameron Reyes goes underneath, and how did he find the rim? How did he
0: find the rim? Garner's coach Bloms talked to Jay Sunhalter after the game.
3: Your team plays with so much heart. The intensity that you play with, we were talking about in the broadcast. I know you're so proud of your team. Yeah, I mean I can't. I mean I can't say enough. They they when they go they they put it all out there and it was uh it was indicative getting down in the 3rd and the 4th and, and they never they never stopped. And you can tell at the end we were still pressured and they were still ready to go and just a testament to them and they weren't going to give up. Obviously, you never give up in sports, but they 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 just kept on going and they believed and they believed and then we finally got, you know, we finally hit some shots. And this win was huge for the conference race, league everything that went into this one what does this one mean to you guys well it's it's kind of that uh that revenge factor and you know in sports after coming back and losing one to them and then coming back and beating them the next time that's one of the one of the nice parts uh one one of the things you strive for and you know we're we're gonna have i'm sure we're gonna see him again and it's gonna be another battle but um that puts us tied and uh you know we just gotta keep winning well, your team's got a bright future. So impressed with your ball club. Congratulations, and coach, here's your high school hoops trophy.
0: Next week on High School Hoops, Southeast Raleigh girls travel to South Garner. You can watch live Friday at seven on MyRDC, stream on MyRDCTV.com/watch, and on Facebook Live. I'm joined now by Evan Rogers. He was a former scholar athlete for Fuquay Varina High School during high school hoops in 2021. He is now a writing assistant at the Inside Carolina publication. Is that right? Yes. You go to UNC? Yeah,
4: I'm a junior there right now. I just finished up, I guess, my fifth semester in college.
0: Nice. How's it going?
4: It's been a lot of fun. It's gone by so quick, which is, it's fun and exciting. Um, I've learned a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, just going from being obviously a high school athlete to now being on the media side, um, which is something I always kind of knew I wanted to do to begin with. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's just been a great experience so far being able to work with, like you said, inside Carolina now. Um, Before then, I was with the student paper for two years, which was great to kind of just be in that working hub alongside a lot of like-minded students Mm -hmm. and and mentors. Um, But yeah, I can't speak highly enough of what I've been able to experience so far.
0: Well, I said you were a scholar-athlete, and I was looking at you had a 4.5 GPA. You were on the <laughs> Honor Society. You were like overachiever. And I'm talking to you on the day that we are giving out the Scholar-Athlete of the Year um, uh prize. Like as we speak, they're giving out the scholar athlete of the week. And he is also like incredible overachiever. Uh, Did you have choices when you were going to college or did you just say UNC? That's where I'm going.
4: Oh man, people are going to get a kick out of this. Um, So the only school I applied to was UNC. Wow. I knew I wanted to go there. Uh, people asked me what my backup was, and I told them if in the event I didn't get in, I was going to do community college for a year or two, and then try to transfer into UNC.
0: That was your only option. But that
4: was that was it. I mean, understanding not only the sports scene they had there, but also the journalism side, the mm-hmm. school, the Husman School of Journalism, just being so esteemed, and and just also being in state and being you know forty minutes from my hometown. I was like. This is the only place I want to go to.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so you got in, obviously, and you are a journalism student. What all um, does that entail? Like the actual like school of journalism, yeah. what is it that you're like doing when you're there?
4: Uh, it's a lot of out-of-class work is what I tell people. People ask me, you know, what's the most important or interesting thing you've learned in a school setting? And it's really more the stuff I've learned in the field. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have had my classes where I've been able to, I mean, I've had an audio Journalism class where we did podcasts kind of like this. Uh, This last semester I had a pretty cool class on like AI technology. So we got to work with just advanced technologies, whether it was VR, augmented reality, drones, Mm -hmm. things along those lines. Um, But a lot of it came with being at the student paper, being with Inside Carolina like I am now, even doing some freelancing stuff for some like local papers around and covering high school sports that way. Um, Like with the Daily Tar Heel. Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to think. I covered a lot of sports. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the football and the men's basketball, the women's basketball, the baseball, the big ones, but like fencing and-
0: That's amazing though. I would lacrosse, love to cover fencing. Soccer.
4: I mean, yeah. you name it. I've probably been at some kind of sporting event. And the student paper was particularly fun just because, you know, it is, it's separate from the school. So it's kind of a count and pennings organization in terms of like travel. Oh. Um. So, like, the finals week, my second semester sophomore year, UNC men's and women's actually on back-to-back nights are playing in Indiana. Okay. and You got to go? Yes.
0: That's amazing. Um,
4: it was really fun. Uh, it was about 11 hours one-way drive. Me and one of my best friends did it. And we get back from our trip. So it was, we were there for two days, drove back the day after. The women's game was over. We get back Friday at six PM, seven PM ish, and Saturday at eight AM. I have a final exam for my uh, economics class. Do um,
0: you kind of get like you know what the athletes go through because they still have to do their <laughs> classes, but they're on the road all the time? You yeah, know?
4: I mean they're they're definitely a lot more busy than I am. But yeah, that kind of was like my like moment where I was like, oh man, like it's kind of crazy. The exam went fine. That's all. I'll leave it at that. But I tell people like I would do that a hundred times out of a hundred times again
0: that's part of my favorite part of this job is I actually get to go places. They've sent me to Virginia. They've sent me to the beach. It's been pretty cool. Like, you know, I'm at work right now in the beach, like I'm (laughs) on the sand and they're actually paying me to do this. I kind of, I still pinch myself because I'm the podcast host and they're actually paying me to do this. It's, I feel really privileged to be able to um, tell stories and, and do the interviews that I do. And it's very exciting. Um, But did, when you went into the daily Tar Heel, um, did you know that you wanted to do sports beat? Is that like the one or, cause I'm assuming it's not just a sports publication, right?
4: Yeah, no, it is like a, you know, they have a, a university desk, a city and state kind of desk, mm-hmm. but I knew I wanted to do sports. It was actually someone my senior year who I had talked to. She was a, a year older than I was and she was currently at the paper and she was like, you've got to join the Daily Tar when you get into school. So I applied like maybe two weeks into starting school, um, my first ever article was a, I think, a UNC Duke football preview, and I spent a ridiculous amount of time on it, maybe, like, seven or eight hours. Just re- I mean, it's something now that if I were to get to assign, it would take about an hour and a half. Sure. Um, but yeah, that kind of started, planted the seed. Um, I think about seven or eight months into my time as a freshman, I got elevated to, like, a senior sports writing role, which basically just entailed, like, doing some of the higher profile things, like going to Indiana for men's basketball or Mm -hmm. doing some, you know, UNC Duke men's basketball game or some high profile football games. Or that summer between my freshman and sophomore year, the women's team was actually playing in the national championship. And me, one of my friends, we drove up to Baltimore to cover the final four and the eventual national championship, Um, which was a a lot of fun.
0: Did you get a press pass for that?
4: Oh yeah. Isn't that the most
0: fun thing to like flash your press pass and they're just like, okay, go ahead.
4: It's great. And I mean, I have a wall. I have two hooks in my, my apartment room with all the credentials I've collected from all these games. And it's awesome. It's, it's cause it's, it's, it's kind of like a trophy roll, but it's also more of like a memories kind of thing. Like I look at a credential. I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that game. I remember what happened. And and it's just cool to like, look back and kind of see all the places you've went. And especially for me being just so new to this industry and, you know, two and a half years in and like looking kind of how far I've come in such a short time. It's really cool to kind of just reflect, I guess, in a way.
0: When I was in college, I went to college at Central Carolina. I was in the broadcasting department there. And we had a guy who would take us to Hurricanes games to cover the Hurricanes games. So I would learn, you know, I was doing video. So I was learning how to follow hockey players in video. But then my press pass got me into the locker room at the end. Mm -hmm. And they just treated me like any other member of the press. And I had like serious imposter syndrome. You know, I'm like first year college student, there's no reason I should be here. But they just talked to me about the game. And I just had to like think of questions to ask them. And it was just um, a really surreal moment. I think kind of, have I made it? Not really, but I think I might eventually (laughs) make it. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that a lot.
4: Yeah, the first locker room experience is it throws you off. Mm -hmm. Like I remember it was actually the Indiana game because they don't do locker room for home games. They kind of take them out to this general area where you can kind of bounce around them okay but you being in an away locker room in indiana it's clearly just their old varsity locker room that's been converted to the the visitors one and you know they just lost by 20 this is a Mm -hmm. team that was number one preseason that now i think had three losses at that point in time in their first seven or eight games yeah and like you said you get thrown in there and i'm like i'm a 19 year old kid who has to walk up to a 21, 22-year-old yes. Armando Baycott with his hands on his knees looking down, not wanting to say a word to me, mm-hmm. and start asking questions.
0: That's um, kind of when you have to figure out the right kind of questions to yeah. ask people, don't you?
4: Yeah, you kind of have to grow up pretty quick in those yeah. <laughs> scenarios. I was but lucky that day.
0: I think they won the day I was there. I didn't have to, like, figure <laughs> out the the easy way to ask, the you know, the hard questions. Um, but it really, like, it makes you think on your toes, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah,
4: 100%. I mean, that's kind of the name of the game is you always have to – you go in with a set plan and it never goes according. I mean, Ever. That's, that's kind of the name of the game and in, in what I've heard and from other people working in the industry. And what I've kind of realized is like, you can prepare a lot to an extent, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you never know what's going to go on.
0: I've seen a couple of times, you know, I've, because of this podcast, I watch more sports and mm-hmm. I hear a lot where, you know, the, the losing coach doesn't want to talk and things like that. And you have to, literally, it's a live broadcast. You have to figure something out, right? Yeah. Do you think that you want to write or will you, do you want to be on the sidelines like a a sideline reporter or do you want to commentate? Like what's the future for you?
4: That's a good question. Um, I don't know if I want to write in a full capacity. I've kind of been intrigued and interested in just this relationship with multimedia's influence and how it's kind of infiltrating the industry. I Mm -hmm. think it's a time where sports media is kind of at a crossroads and that the print side of kind of going out in a way it's just different on how people consume their Mm -hmm. information. So I don't think I want to do necessarily like a live play-by-play broadcast or even a sideline thing, but more of like um, a talk show, either in a podcast form, a video form, because obviously video podcasts are now kind of a big thing. Um, So, I I mean, I enjoy writing. I've gotten better at it, uh, continuing to get better at that. And it's something that I could see, you know, my first job out of college is just solely writing-based. Obviously, I I would take that. But I think 10, 15 years from now, I kind of would hope to be in a position where I can combine both the multimedia side and the writing side into kind of like a talk show, something like that. I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting field because I can confidently say I know 10, 15 years from now, it's going to be way different.
0: It's – and like right now the company, my company, is going through this huge change where we're focusing more on digital because we know that it's the future. Right. And I have found the need to adapt so much Mm -hmm. in this kind of job. You know, I started – I graduated college in 2012 and, you know, just in that 11 years, it's changed so much more. Um, I even had to teach myself how to do this, you know, from scratch. <laughs> and I like that we're doing compliment like not complimentary, um, I suppose, yeah, complimentary, yeah. you know, uh, content to yeah. my sport, you know, our sports um shows. And it's fun too. Oh I, yeah. I really enjoy it. It's
4: a lot of fun. I, it's funny you mentioned that because I was talking to someone at UNC. She's currently now at the athletic, and I think she might have graduated, yeah, 2015, 2016. So she hasn't been out of school for more than ten years. And she's like, I first started and I was just a writer. Now I have a weekly podcast. I appear on other people's weekly podcasts. I'm on radio shows every week. Mm -hmm. So it's just a field where I personally see it now as 30, 40 years ago, you could get away with just being a sports writer. There were beat jobs. There were a ton of paper outlets. That was kind of the name of the game. And nowadays I think it's a field where you have to be super versatile, Mm -hmm. which is something I've kind of recently discovered and have kind of explored a bit into more of like, the video and the audio production side of things, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting to me. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now, I'd say. So
0: doing the podcast, did you learn, you know, audio editing? And, oh, yeah. Yeah? Are oh, you yeah. Into the Adobe and all that?
4: In the, the the Adobe Creative Cloud, when I first did it my freshman year, we had to take an intro to, I think it's literally called intro to digital storytelling. Nice. In the moment, I was a stupid 18-year-old kid, and I was like, I hate this stuff. I hate editing audio. I hate editing video. I was like, this is terrible.
0: Oh, you're um, breaking my heart. Just I know. It's like my bread and butter. <laughs> but now,
4: you know, it's it's weird now, like two years later, I've kind of come to love it and understand like, you know, this is an important thing and it's fun to kind of see a finished product on the audio or the video side and mm-hmm. knowing that it's honestly, in my eyes, it's no different than me rereading my article 40 times before I submit it to my editor and making Absolutely. last of edits just in a different kind of form. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely learned to love it and- specifically on like the audio side, I've really enjoyed it just cause I enjoy listening to podcasts. Um, I am like a 50 year old man and I literally just listen to podcasts. Like even I work out, I'm listening to podcasts and people are like, you are so weird. And I'm like, I don't know. I just, it's
0: a normal thing now. You're not that weird. I, <laughs> I just love, do. I just
4: love, you know, information dumps, especially just the different, you know, sports podcasts that I listen mm-hmm. to and kind of just hearing some things that maybe I like and what, how people phrase it or how they say it and kind of applying that to my own work. Um, So yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far.
0: Do you think being in sports in high school like has made it more of like a passion for you to move into that direction? Or do you think you always would have even if you hadn't played basketball?
4: That's a great question. I've never thought of that. Um, I think I probably would have been in it even if I didn't play basketball just because I was such a nerd growing up as a kid. I mean, I have still, I think it might be my desk up at school. I have this binder, this three-ring binder my parents got for me when I was seven or eight. It was the greatest Christmas gift I'd ever got. I was so excited. And all it is is literally a binder from Walmart and in the sleeve where you can put, like, something as, like, a label. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. sure for kids, they put, like, this is my math binder. This is my reading binder for school. It's literally just says Evan's scorebook. And in it are 100-plus pages of me copying down every sports score from, like, college football, college basketball, fcs football i guess division double a as it was back yeah. then um like growing up we had this big mac desktop there weren't even laptops i think at this point probably but um it would be like 6 30 7 in the morning and i would get up early and just look at all the scores that happened at the end of the night and my it came to a point where my parents were like you can't wake up past 7 30 like you need <laughs> to sleep um or my my alarm clock had like a radio on it like a lot of the alarm clocks used to have, and I could never watch the late games growing up, just because
0: you had, to, you go know, to, bed, had right? to go to bed. I had to go to bed. I was,
4: I was like, my parents are terrible. I can't watch this 8 oh, p.m. women's or men's basketball game for UNC. So I had my my clock set to where I could just listen to it on the radio, mm-hmm. and if I heard my parents' footsteps coming, I'd like turn the volume down and like fake that I was sleeping.
0: This is like that's like good trouble. I like that. <laughs> it's like the kid who's you know reading a book by flashlight at night. Like, right. I'm sure they knew. They, oh, they, they definitely They knew. They and definitely like, did. It's okay. You can listen they, to they sports. Did. That's fine.
4: Like, I mean, I would talk to like some of my buddies and they'd be like, yeah, I'd sneak out in the middle of the night to like go get candy from the candy jar. And I would be like, yeah, I just look at sports scores on my parents' MacBook. Like it's.
0: I feel like it's meant to be. It's a passion <laughs> it's, of yours, it's,
4: right? So it's kind of always been like, I've just been a nerd about sports. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, basketball, I think helps me in like, especially when covering basketball, like I can understand like some of the sets they're running or just what's going on. hmm Or also, I think it helps me to a degree talk to them like after a big loss because I remember how I was obviously to a way lesser degree, you know, being in high school, but still kind of just understanding what some of their headspace could be, Mm -hmm. kind of getting, you know, the right questions out and still fulfilling my job as being a reporter, but also understanding at the end of the day, these are kids, they are humans, like
0: they're people. yeah, And
4: I think that can kind of get lost sometimes.
0: Yeah. I couldn't imagine going up to somebody and asking them a question and just being like, Rude to them. Right. I, I still feel like I've got to keep that human element For sure. when I'm, you know, doing anything. So I was looking at your resume, and I was curious about the Hall of Fame coverage <laughs> that you got to do, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, so, what? Tell me about that. What? How did you get that? First of all.
4: Oh man, um, I don't know. I tell people luck. I mean, and and I think it's probably true to to a degree. I mean, I know. So my. In between my sophomore and junior, so this past summer, I was an intern at the Pro Football Hall of Fame up in Canton, Ohio. I think my official title was an archives and football information intern. Okay. Um, So a little bit different than like my reporting, what I had done before, but it was really cool because I was surrounded by, I was basically like a researcher for a whole summer. So if I'm trying to think, it, it was anyone from a local outlet. I mean, I had a guy who worked at like the Canton repository, which is just a local paper reach out to me. I had... You know, a PhD student from Michigan reach out to me. And then I also had like the Pittsburgh Steelers reach out and they would be like, Hey, we need information on this player. Can you find it, digitize it, write up something for us, and send it to us? Basically,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. What a it, cool job. It to was have. great.
4: It was great. So like my office was in like the reading room area. And then behind me is just like the full archive of all of Pro Football's history. I mean, yeah. There were books in there from like the 1890s, like the first rule books ever of football. I mean, there was Tom Brady's draft card and all these cool like artifacts that I got the chance to look at. That's really cool. Um, So yeah, that was kind of my main duties. We were there from May to August, which is right when their enshrinement week happened, which Mm -hmm. is really cool because all these Hall of Famers got to come back and I'm seeing like Ray Lewis and Peyton Manning from afar and all these other like guys I grew up watching kind of, and it was really neat. And then one of the cool things I got to do where I kind of merged my reporting and writing abilities with that internship um, was when I was early on there, I was looking back at just their old news archive within the Hall of Fame, like their own uh, in-house media. And I kind of noticed there wasn't much coverage of the... And Shrinees, the guys who were getting into the Hall of Fame that year, there was no articles really leading up. There was something after the fact, after they had given their speeches, they had you know someone do a write-up with their speeches. Yeah. But I was like, oh, there's nothing really leading up. So I kind of went to my supervisor maybe a month into my internship and was like, hey, like I have all these resources. I can go back and find articles about. Ken Riley, who played in like the 70s, I can find stuff from him when he played in like college at a FAMU way, way long ago. Be super easy. Let me write up, you know, some features just kind of detailing how they got here. Everyone knows what they did in the NFL. Yeah. Everyone knows, you know, what the speeches were said and all their great achievements, but no one knows that, for example, Ken Riley played quarterback in college at FAMU or another guy, Chuck Hallie. He was like a five sport college athlete at West Virginia. Wow. Like no one knows that. Yeah. So I was like, He was like, okay, write one. Let me know. Like, I want to see what it looks like. So I wrote one. It was my first one. It was on Joe Klecko, um, who was a part of the New York Sack exchange for the Jets. Um, And I wrote about, like, so he played. He didn't get um, a scholarship offer out of high school to play in college because he started playing football so late. I think he started in, like, second or third year in high school. So he actually played semi-professional football in, like, some rough – brandy league i mean there were guys he would say like would literally be playing these games like drunk and he was like trying to make his way into yeah. getting to college so he worked his way through that uh, i wrote the story on it sent it to my supervisor he's like this is great and so i got to do nine feature stories is what it ended up being um during my time there so it, it was a great experience i mean yeah. just being around football in a different light just because i think being from the triangle you're around so much college sports yeah. you don't really understand professional sports to a degree, but seeing like the passion for professional sports in that light and just being around the history and learning from all those people. I mean, it was a great experience. Um, I don't, I mean, I applied for it in, I think I might've found it off LinkedIn or some just online wow, job just site.
0: Random.
4: I mean, I tell people like, and it's the same thing this year when I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do this, this coming summer. Again, I I've, I've applied to like 60 to 70 internships and yeah you usually only get one yes or two yeses Mm -hmm. if you're lucky. Um, And that's kind of what I tell people. I just got lucky that they said yes. Um, It was a no-brainer to accept the position, obviously. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it was a great experience, yeah.
0: So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a guy who works in UNC sports to tell me what he thinks of the UNC basketball team right now (laughs) because it's in-season. So what do you think is, you know, they're doing pretty good, right? They are.
4: Yeah, I think it's a different team. I mean, it's... It's an interesting time for UNC basketball. I mean, they lost, I think, nine scholarship players from that team last year that wow. obviously had kind of the, the historic collapse or however you want to word it, uh, going from number one to not making the tournament. So it's a lot of new guys. Um, but I think that's a good thing. Uh, there's a lot of good personalities in that locker room. Uh, Harrison Egram's a, a great, not only player, but just a great guy kind of for the, the team. You can kind of see he's already connected well, mm-hmm. even though it's just his first year. Um, I think it's an exciting time. I kind of tell people, I think they're a little bit ahead of schedule than what I thought they were. I think the AP poll came out yesterday, and they're 11. So I think if you had told me they'd be 11 in the country through mid-December, I would be like, uh, I don't know if they'd be there yet. But yeah. they are here, and I, mm-hmm. I think they are deserving. I think that's the big difference. Last year, they were given number one in the preseason. They hadn't really earned it. It was given off of what they did, obviously, in that magical run they had to the, the championship. Yeah. This year, I think they've kind of earned that higher ranking. Um so you Obviously. think they'll be
0: in the tournament this year?
4: Yeah, I would yeah. be really surprised. I, I think I think right now how the team is constructed, I think their second weekend tournament team, like a, a Sweet 16, maybe Elite 8, I think their ceiling could be higher than that if some things get worked out. But right now, if you were to tell me where are they are going to be in March, I'd probably say about the Sweet 16.
0: Okay, so we do an unofficial bracket here. So oh, gosh. So when that happens, <laughs> I'm putting UNC in, and I'm going to say, Evan made me do this. <laughs> We have a Duke fan and we have a UNC fan here. Oh, so it's great. always a really exciting,
4: That's great. exciting,
0: I should say, <laughs> <laughs> quote unquote, exciting when they fight, but okay, I'm taking your word for it. I'm going to put them in my sweet 16. So Evan Rogers, I really appreciate you coming in and chatting with me. It was really interesting to hear about your story. And I always like to hear where scholar athletes go after there are <laughs> scholar athletes. So yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Of course.
4: Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: Next week's guest is Danielle Sullivan, women's head basketball coach at Panther Creek, the reigning 4A champs. We'll talk about her career, the experience of winning the championship, and how this year's team is stacking up. You can find Game Time in the Triangle on all podcast platforms. Subscribe to get notifications when new episodes air. And if you have a high school sports story you'd like us to cover, you can email us at wrdcsports@sbgtv.com. at sbgtv.com. Have a great week.